0: Many doubted we'd ever see it, but here it is. The return to glory. McDavid stops up. What a move. Shoots. Scores.
1: Hey, welcome to another edition of The Outsiders. Bren Griffiths along with Robin Brownlee. How you doing today?
2: I'm fabulous, man. How about you?
1: Great. Here we go. The NHL preseason underway. Mm-hmm. Training camps underway. Lots of hockey talk today. We'll talk a little bit about the Canadian Football League, too, coming up in a little bit. But let's get right to the NHL stuff. Uh, the training camp's underway in uh, all the locations, coast-to-coast coast in Canada and the U.S.
2: Dustin Bufflin. What's going on there? Did you see that? Yeah. Taking a leave. Well, I tell you what, I, and I don't know why, uh. Would love to see a report, you know, come out of Winnipeg, I would expect, about what's happening. All I know is the Winnipeg Jets become a big question mark without uh, that big man in the lineup. Now, we don't know what's happening, but, man, uh, that team without him uh, is a hurting bunch. Clearly it's a personal thing because if it wasn't, we'd have heard by now, correct? You would think, but I don't want to assume – you know, family matter, off ice matter, yeah. and he deserves. Uh, you know, if if it is that, I mean, he we gets don't a little ha- space. He gets a little bit yeah. of room. We don't have to know, but I mean, fans, especially in Winnipeg, have got to sit. You know, be sitting there and wondering. You know what's happening with Dustin? He's a big part of that hockey club. Emotional part of that hockey club.
1: Connor McDavid, it's been announced, will unlikely play a game in the preseason because of his injury. I guess I'm not surprised by that. I think they're making the right decision. And we're going to chat with Bob Stoffer, the uh, the color commentator on the Oilers radio broadcast and also the host of Oilers Now. But what's the point in playing Connor McDavid? And by all indications, at training camp thus far, he's flying and whizzing by guys as he normally would. You wouldn't even know that there's a problem. But why push him back? Why Why get him in there
2: so quickly? There's no reason to push him at all. If Connor McDavid plays one game, that's fine. If he plays no games, that's fine too. I mean, let's be honest, he doesn't need to make the hockey club. And and we touched on this before, Bryn. You know, they have a specific plan in place for Connor McDavid. You know, players always want to play. He wheels around out there and looks like Connor McDavid. But the fact is, when you bring contact into it, uh in, you know, preseason games, nobody's gonna lay off anybody in preseason when they're trying to make a a hockey club. And that especially goes for the young guys looking to uh, impress and get the uh, organization's attention. That doesn't mean running Connor McDavid, but if you're playing in a game situation, if you're good enough to play, you're good enough to be hit. So, you know, if they throw him in one, you know, they're going to talk with Connor, uh, the doctors, and they're going to do this right. There's absolutely no reason uh, to put him in there unless everybody agrees he's uh, healthy enough, the knee is strong enough for him to go. And when they turn him loose, they turn him loose, and he plays full speed or he doesn't play at all. We've often talked about the fact that during preseason and training camp, you just kind of find your way
1: a little bit, you find that edge. I don't think you have to worry about Connor McDavid finding his edge. No. He's, he's got it already. And if he just didn't play a single preseason game and just jumped right into the home opener against the Vancouver Canucks, I don't see him missing a step at all. I think they're making the right call here.
2: Yeah, and one thing, at the skate the other day, I don't know if you saw it, Bryn, there was a clip where he fell down in front of the I saw that. He got up and he gave that uh, leg a little bit of a shake, and then he went to the bench, and after that apparently he was fine. But every time Connor twists and turns or takes a fall, You know, at this point in the preseason and early in the regular season, people are going to cringe a little, as they should. We just talked about the Jets without Bufflin. I shudder to think of the Oilers without McDavid. No indication that's going to be the case. But every time he goes down, every time he stumbles, people are going to go, is the knee okay? And that's natural.
1: Well, you know everybody took a real deep breath in that game against Calgary. The the game that meant absolutely nothing, the final game of the regular season for the Oilers. And he goes down, and you're thinking, oh, boy get up however that's the way he plays the game it's also the way mark giordano plays the game too i mean mm-hmm. mark mark realized he got beat badly on that particular play and he just tried to reach out and get the puck he did not he got I, i'm not making excuses for anybody i know both guys are extremely competitive and i'm not going to blame anybody for that but it's it was just a weird game to begin with that it,
2: one it's a contact sport uh,
1: absolutely shit happens there was some shit coming down in Toronto. Mitch Marner signs a big deal, ka big time. And, you know, it's funny on that because a lot of people were saying they didn't think it was going to get done until maybe a month or two into the season. A lot of people said that. One guy who was plugged in right from the get-go and said, no, hang on, this is coming along nicely. Took a lot of heat online for it, by the way. That was Darren Drager, who's yeah. going to join us on the show today but that's a lot of dough for a guy jumping right from his entry level contract into
3: that
2: well we've, we've talked about that the thing is you don't want to sound like the cranky old guy yelling at the clouds you know kids these days how come they get uh, all the money so quickly but i think in in many ways it's a legitimate question you know we've gone from a system where free agency you, you could you were almost like in jail with a club till you were 31 in the bad old days now you've got you know, 21 and 22 year old players coming out of entry level deals and getting you know, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 million bucks a year. The market apparently uh, has been established at those levels. But my question is wh- how have GMs allowed that to be the case? Early in the player's career is when the GMs are supposed to have the hammer. And I understand you need to sign your best players to contracts that stand up in the market. But for my money, Bryn, and thankfully it's not my money, the GMs have let this get away from them. The The dollars now, while I don't begrudge the best players the best paychecks, no. going to those numbers right out of entry level – I don't know how you do it over the long term.
1: I always hear from fans that player doesn't deserve that amount of money or this player doesn't deserve that amount of money. I've always been a a firm believer that you're worth what you negotiate. And if a player is going to get X amount of dollars, then he found somebody who thinks he's worth that kind of money. The players just want to play. You know that we've been around the locker rooms enough. We've been on the inside. We've talked, even though we're now the outsiders, we've, uh, we've talked to enough, enough guys And they ultimately just want to play. The fact that they're getting paid unbelievable amounts of money is bonus for some of these guys.
2: Well, I mean, I, you know, yeah, I mean, I remember, you know, a chat with Billy Guerin way back when, when he got the big raise, you know, after he left Edmonton and he was down in Dallas and, and he was like, holy cow, Rob. And I mean, I thought, I thought I had, I was making good money in Edmonton. He says, now he says, it's just ridiculous. He was joking around because he's not apologizing for what he's making. But, you know, it's interesting. These guys will play and want to play no matter what the dollar is, but it's the market, the market, the market. The question I have is, and we'll talk to Darren about this, how do you build a team if you've got 40 50% of your cap going to four or five players? It's going to pose some problems down the line. Well, we heard this a few years ago when the
1: Oilers signed Connor McDavid and then Leon Draisaitl. It's about twenty-two, twenty-three percent of their overall salary uh, budget is going to two guys, and and of course the national media immediately jumped on that because that's what they do. If the, <laughs> it, it's just it's it's the way they work, they said they'll never be able to make it. Well, it's easier to jump on the Edmonton Oilers because they have not been successful. Over the last 10 to 15 years, it's easier to jump on the orders when you see numbers like that. But the Toronto Maple Leafs have got four guys, and you're right. That's a big number. There's going to be a cap hell coming up somewhere. Or the other thing, too, is there could be a lot of guys going on the long-term injury list. And there's here's what I don't like about this CBA. This CBA. There's a lot of loopholes in this thing. Yep. Way too many loopholes. And every time we go down this road, there's a loophole that a general manager finds and then absolutely exploits, and then there's another GM that does the exact same and another one after that. They've got to find a way to tighten this up because it just seems like it's not right.
2: It's not working the way it should. Well, I tell you what, Bryn, if you ask me, it's not the GMs finding the loopholes. It's the agents. Oh, absolutely. I, I think the agents are schooling the GMs right now. Because, like I say, you're going to the huge money right away, and bless all the kids who get it. But down the road, it's going to be a problem. You're going to, you know, how many PTOS can you have? How many uh, players can make 10 million bucks a year? Uh, uh, you know, under the salary cap. Well, if you've got four superstars. Uh, you need to pay them. I mean, right now, Connor McDavid and Leon Drysidle; those are value contracts based on what's being handed out. Unless Drysidle falls off the map, I'm much more secure at this point in saying McDavid is a value contract even at what he's getting. He left money on the table. Leon at 8.5, are you kidding me, 100-point guy with 50 goals? No, he's done it once. Yeah. But if he's anywhere near that neighborhood, that's a value contract, too.
1: CFL News. It is absolutely amazing to me that the one guy who's taken the biggest shit kicking all season long, Mike Riley, is the only starting quarterback still standing after Trevor's, Trevor Harris goes down with an injury in the Eskimos game the other day. I, I don't know how he's done it. I guess you know what? We know Mike Riley. Yep. So the fact that he's the last guy standing after being sacked so many times this season, is that a big surprise to you? It
2: certainly isn't to me, but it's still a little bit ironic. No, he's the uh, he's the Black Knight Monty Python skit. It's only a flesh wound. <laughs> I saw a clip with Mike the other day out of BC, and Mike is Mike. He's going to go out and he's going to play football. He's going to run with the football when he has to. Uh, he's going to throw the football when he has to. They're in a big hole. They're not going to dig out of it even with Mike Riley but he's going to approach the game, uh, you know, the same way. The Locally here, Bryn, uh, the questions about Trevor Harris, he did leave the Calgary game because of this injury to his throwing arm, flexing his hand. We've got no real update. But I tell you what, he wasn't hurt in that game. He has had some issues with that hand and that arm for a while. Every once in a while, you'll see him flex it, and grip the ball like there's something there that didn't feel quite right. Obviously, it got to the point against Calgary where he said, I can't grip the ball, I can't throw it the way I need to. Because if you noticed, he'd go right to the sidelines, he'd flex it a bit, he'd throw some balls, and you'd see him shake his head like, no, it's not responding. So we can't guess, it does no good to guess. But the fact is, if this is a condition uh, as opposed to an injury um, – we don't know how long it's going to be, but I don't like the look of the Edmonton Eskimos uh, without Trevor Harris uh, behind center when they've lost three straight games, when they're six and six and in big trouble.
1: And now, haven't beaten anybody. We've been pointing yeah. that out week after week after week. And then you've got the Calgary Stampeders who uh, had a bit of a scare against the Hamilton Tiger Cats, but still got it done. It's becoming rather. Abundantly clear to me that the West seems to be. I think I got a pretty good handle on where everybody's going to finish in the West. Mm-hmm. Winnipeg and Saskatchewan are right smack in the middle. Got the Eskimos in fourth. I think the Stampeders are going to finish number one. The East, however, it's really down to two teams: it's Hamilton and Montreal. Yeah. Forget about Toronto. Ottawa looked awful in British Columbia. They're brutal. It was,
2: it was bad. So I guess we'll see how things shake down. But at six and six, if Trevor Harris can't play, and the team has gone the wrong way in the last three games. What does this club finish? It may be, it, it'll still probably be good enough uh, for the crossover. Hanging on for the crossover. But what's the point if you're not going to be able to beat anybody? I know. And one other little uh, NFL tidbit
1: that came available just before we uh, went to uh, went to uh, record today, and that is Drew Brees is out for six weeks because of a thumb injury. There's going to be some surgery required. Banged it up against the Los Angeles Rams out in the West Coast on Sunday but uh that all of a, that'll make some, I hate to say it like this but that will make some teams around the NFC very happy because that opens the door just a little bit more for somebody to squeak in. We'll see how that plays out over the next week or so. We'll see how that surgery goes, but I like Drew Brees. Uh, you know, I I just I think that uh, he's always provided the Saints with solid solid quarterbacking. I think that's going to hurt them a little bit, like I said. Just have to wait and see. Okay, you ready to go with Bob?
2: Absolutely. Let's get to them.
1: Yeah, Bob Stoffer, the host of Oilers Now, which you can catch on 630 Chet if you're in the Edmonton area. And it goes Monday through Friday from noon until 2. But Bob's podcast off of that show is is delivering monster numbers right across Canada. We'll chat with Bob when we come back. So Bob Stoffer joins us next right here on The Outsiders. Pro-Am Sports is Edmonton's home for sports and entertainment memorabilia, featuring unique collectibles and apparel. We've got you and your fan cave covered. Pro-Am Sports, located in Edmonton at 12728 St. Albert Trail and proamsports.ca. Well, last week we talked about the Calgary Flames and the fact that they're coming off a disappointing playoff and a successful season. Today we're talking about the Edmonton Oilers and the fact that it was just disappointing all around last year. They lost a general manager and a coach, and we see new people at the helm this time around. So we need to go to the, the absolute source on all things Edmonton Oilers, the host of Oilers Now, Bob Stoffer, who joins us en route to the arena. How are you doing today, Bob?
3: Good, Brennan, Robin. How are you guys
1: doing? We're doing great. Well, uh, how are you feeling about everything here? This is going to be an interesting season, but more than anything, we could talk about players until the cows come home, but you do that on your daily show. But the thing that Robin and I are most interested in is the guy at the very top and the guy behind the bench. Where do you want to start with those two guys?
3: Well, I mean, I'm cautiously optimistic about the team. Uh, You know, I'm from the school, don't promise don't overpromise and under-deliver. Uh, I think that management and the coach work together to maybe add a, at least a little bit more veteran presence in the bottom six forwards. That'll change the dimension a bit. Uh, you know, they opened up a spot in defense by buying out the Sakara. Uh, they brought in a veteran goaltender to compete with Posca for starts. Uh, and then there, there's definitely a different mood around this year's uh with having Ken Holland and Dave Tippett, and I, Brent, I, I'm going to guess that's kind of where you want me to go here. You're, you're basically asking me, "What's it like?" You know, Peter. Peter's a smart man. Um, I I don't know if he really enjoyed engaging with people on a daily basis. Um, I don't know how comfortable he was at times with the West. To be honest with you. Uh, you know, Peter's. A guy from, uh, guy from Ottawa, bright guy, went to Harvard, spent a lot of time in Boston, and uh, it's a little bit different philosophy out here. Um, and I, I know this. Uh, Peter, at, you know, there were times he'd certainly be willing to engage in discussion, and he probably, to be honest with the two of you guys, because I'm on the plane and both of you have been on that plane, yep. uh, he maybe granted me more time than anybody else. But the fact of the matter is this is a results driven business. And after the hundred and three point season, and he made a couple pretty big moves in the first couple of years here. and you know, especially trading Taylor Hall. And after the hundred and three point season in the last two years were a significant step back, much to the frustration of the owners fan base, and it's results driven. And I think we all expected, you know, toward throughout January that we were headed down an inevitable path. So it is a very different mood. Obviously, Ken's uh, uh, i would say more approachable, and and you know we had a with 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 Todd McClellan. He was a terrific guy, and and I got to deal with. And Todd Todd McClellan often said to me, "Bob, I would have been a happy coaching Edmonton for ten more years." So my hope at this stage is that Dave Tippett has a lengthy run here, and Todd has a lengthy run in uh, in Los Angeles.
2: Yeah, I mean. For, for me, Bob, uh, having, you know, been with the team for a long time until several years ago, something as subtle as, you know, communication, uh, how you, you know, how the word travels from the top uh, through the coaching staff to the players, call it mood, call it atmosphere, uh, call it, we call it culture these days. Ken Holland has made a career out of just being himself, using his own approach, sticking with what he believes is tried and true. You're on the inside. When fans say, well, we've we've been promised or, we, you know, they've pulled the football away from us more times than I can remember over the last decade or so, why is it going to be different this year? Why do you think it's going to be different this year in terms of how the messages are delivered and the decisions are made right at the top with Ken Holland.
3: Well, I can't guarantee that the team is going to suddenly become a 100-point team, uh, team again. I mean, I think there's going to be some gradual improvement and the opportunity for real growth might actually occur next summer in terms of upgrading it just because of some of the cap challenges mm. that have been inherited from the Shirelli regime. Um, you know, Robin, it's, it's probably been at least about a decade since you were sort of the beat guy and yep uh, you know it, 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 the one thing that's changed is things like what you guys are doing now with the podcast right you got podcasts and you've got more bloggers than ever before you got a whole entity in the athletic and you've got some people that never actually come down to practice and and I know both of you guys value that aspect of your roles and made sure Bren when you were the sports director and you know, basically the station manager at 1260, you know, you'd be down there and Rob and you were there every day. And and so there's, you know, part of it's incumbent upon, I guess the, the media to ask the right questions. I mean, this, this misnomer out there that this is like nobody, and the other thing that's changed guys is Twitter, <laughs> frankly. Oh, yeah. so everybody's got, an, everybody's got an opinion. People, I mean, we have people reading Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisidel's face. Yeah. From media, yeah. media availabilities in Toronto, <laughs> at uh, at the Biosteel camp. So this is what this means. So to be honest with you, you guys, you guys both know um, you both know Ken a bit. Uh, you both have experience dealing with Dave Tippett. What you see is what you get. Peter, in the end, I think Peter got quite uh, exclusive exclusive like he really didn't you know I, I know for a fact there were situations where he was strongly advised not to act on certain moves and he went ahead and did it anyways and it was it, it kind of, you know like Ken, Ken Hitchcock had a lot of pull with Peter upon coming in mm-hmm. because Ken was going to save Peter at that stage of the game so uh, long story short we'll see how she all transpires I mean I, I can tell you already that there's been, Peter went, Peter, a small example, guys. Peter would go and sit about three rows away from where the media used to sit and watch practice during training camp. Ken Holland is sitting within 15 feet of the media. Yeah. The rest of the staff is sitting by, uh, uh, you know, by the media five feet away. If you have a question, you just go up and walk. Nobody's sitting there giving you a, a dirty look for, you know, anything. So, you know, we, the, the other thing is, frankly, guys, and in fairness, Shirelli was available at this, but they did a uh, the Barry Cates Golf Tournament. And that's the first event they kind of did to, to launch the year with the media. And Holland was available for a lot of time there with people. And it was a good, frankly, social mixer. So, you know, I, I just, you guys both know, can uh, you know, people that suggest, and, and let's face it, guys, let's change the public perception because there are a lot of, you know, there's, a, there's a, to me there's about 40 or 50 guys that are out there on Twitter that criticize every move the Oiters have made. And God knows the Oiters have given them every opportunity to do so by missing the playoffs for the last 13 years. Yeah. But the thing that changed for Shirelli in the eyes of a lot of the fans is when he executed the Milan Lucci trade. That changed it, gentlemen. And mm-hmm. so, and we'll see where it goes moving forward from there.
1: Bob Soffer from Oilers now joining us. Bob, gotta shift gears a little bit from the general manager to the coach. Love that press conference with Dave Tippett came in here because he was—he's always been. People have always looked at him fairly or not and said he is a defensive type of coach. Yet I've seen him coach offensive teams equally as much as defense. It's going to be a little bit of a shift in uh, in direction, I think, for him this year. Are you sensing the same sort of thing?
3: Uh, Well, I know this, Brent. If they don't improve their team defense, they're not going to make the playoffs, right?
1: Correct, yeah.
3: You know, uh, how about this? You know, I'll I'll defer to Ian Herbers. Like, Ian Herbers went into, this is a funny story, but he went into the University of Alberta and he was talking to the players. And for the first four four or five practices, all he had his guys work on was uh, cycling the puck in the offensive zone and winning one-on-one battles down low in the offensive zone and all that sort of thing, right? And after about the third day, a couple of veterans go, coach, are we going to work on uh, breakouts? And he looked at me and goes, well, you see, if you win all the battles in the offensive zone and you do a better job on transition and those sort of things, bringing it in, you don't have to play as much in the defensive zone. So yeah, um, I I will say this about Dave. My impression of Dave is that he's been a staunch defensive coach. That's kind of how I perceived him. Look how Arizona played. Right. He never had he never had Connor McDavid or Leon Drysaddle. Eric. Uh, the fact that he you know he specifically wanted a penalty killer as sprint that would ease the workload on McDavid and Drysaddle reveals a fair amount to me. It would not surprise me if McDavid and Drysaddle played the entire power play depending upon game situation, um, but. You know, even with talking about the deployment of defense guys, right? The one thing, he, the one thing he said is, you know what? People talk about Bouchard, but Bouchard can make plays, and if you're spending more time in the offensive zone or getting the puck up the ice, he doesn't. Have, that's a guy that you know you don't have to defend as much. So he has been. He's had some pretty interesting perspectives, and he's, there's no question he's a sharp guy. And I think, frankly, the two years away has helped him a bit. I think it's helped him get
2: that fire back as well. Yeah. Uh, Bob, Ken Holland and Dave Tippett, uh, you know, they're coming into a situation, you know it all too well, you've seen it from the inside now for a long time. Now, the problem outside of the one playoff appearance uh, and all the things that have gone wrong with this club, this is not the fault of Ken Holland and Dave Tippett, obviously, but it is their problem in terms of the fan base. So how do you strike that balance between saying, yes, we want to get immediate results because our fan base has been sitting around forever waiting for something to cheer about because it's a passionate group, and if you give them something to yell about, they will, and balancing that with building the club properly, making sure you're surrounding McDavid and Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins and Nurse, with the right parts. Like it's a tough balance to strike because fans don't want to hear every three or four years. Well, we've got a five-year plan.
3: Yeah. Well, you know what, Brent? I used to have this conversation with Todd of the first year he was here in 2015 as well. You know, like we weren't here for this. And, and I just like, you know, that comes with the territory. Like those guys had to know that coming in that, you know, and I just think they gotta, they gotta do what they do. And, and, I think they are going to be pragmatic about what's – this is why you don't overpromise and under-deliver. I think there will be improvement with the team. I think they've improved the team's depth. Hopefully they have a situation where they can go with either of the two goalies. And that's a question at this stage of the game. Um, but, you know, there's no there's, – how, how do you do that? I don't know how you do that other than win. Which is probably the thing I've heard the most. We yeah. got to just win. Yeah. That's that's the thing I've heard the most. You know, because the fans, hey, they're fully justified at this stage in, you know, we're from the show me state. Uh, absolutely. Like, who, who wouldn't have that perspective? It's something we deal with on an everyday basis to the point that it actually might work against, God, like, I'll give you an example. You can make an argument right now that Bouchard's in the lead seat, claim that spot on the right side to play at Oscar bomb. Mm-hmm. But some fans might say, well, they're going to rush him and they're going to wreck him, and, you know, this is what loser organizations do. Well, how do you tell the kid that when he's been the best defenseman? Right. Right? And so there's lots of factors. You know, you guys, you guys both know the game well enough. I mean, there's lots of scenarios where you shouldn't have to pay for the sins of the past, but the organization collectively has to. They have to eat the fact that they missed the playoffs 12 out of 13 years. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Comes with it.
1: Bob Stauffer from Oilers now joining us. Bob, I've got to ask, everybody sees the game a little bit differently. You mentioned the goaltending was a a bit of an issue last year. For me, the thing that really bothered me the most was the bottom six. Really never helped and contributed to the top six. Took the pressure off those guys a little bit. Do you still see that as being a problem? Or do you like what's been done on the offseason with all the one-year contracts and a little different look?
3: I like the flexibility of the one year contracts have given moving forward. Uh, you know, Dave Tippett played with Archibald's dad, who was a legendary uh, NCAA enforcer at North Dakota. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, we'll see how this this all, you know, Shannon coming in, I think, should help because he can kill penalties, and he's about a 51 52% faceoff guy. Uh, Brandlin is an experienced player. Archibald took a step forward. So there's three guys. It should help the bottom six that can all PK. I don't know what to expect from Haas and Nygaard. time will tell, but they can both skate and they both might provide the Oilers with a different dimension. The bottom line is when we uh, went over to Germany last year, last preseason game and first regular season game in Sweden, the Oilers had, you know, 15 goals scored in the preseason from Ratty, Paul and Yamamoto. That trio Did not score 15 goals in the regular season. I will tell you right now, Todd McClellan was not convinced those guys were going to be able to get it done. So I do think there's going to be a different confidence level, in the bottom end of the lineup this year. Just with the addition specifically of Sheehan, Granlin, and Archibald. Those are legitimate NHL players.
2: Bob, for me, the two areas I'm most concerned about are connected goaltending uh miko koskin and i think he wore down a little bit at the end of last year he got used too much mike smith had a tough regular season was very good in the playoffs but if this team's goaltending isn't better uh and and in uh concert with the pk being better i don't know that what happens at forward matters much what do you how do you see it
3: well, they're all. I mean, they've had the worst penalty killing, Robin, in the NHL over the last three years. Yeah. So it has to get better, uh, and you know it's going to be directly tied to goaltending, and then and then the combination of the two PK and goaltending will tell us the tale of goals against. They got to shave half a goal game off. That's or they're not going to make the playoffs. So uh, I think the one thing I think we have seen, guys, is Peter. Peter made some bets here. Like Talbot handled a seventy game season one year. He couldn't do it two years in a row and there were some ex-goaltenders that i talked to around the league wherever we went that were like talbot's not going to be able to do this two years in a row not with the travel out west yeah and they were right and so peter would go cheap on a backup and it came back and he wasn't paying that much for talbot like talbot was like a 4.25 million dollar cabinet or something like that that was a you know that was a bet that peter went the wrong way with okay uh so We'll see. What, I mean, we haven't seen Smith in training camp yet, just because he's been sick. We didn't see him skate in the captain skates, and, and you guys both know he's a terrific athlete. It could be a competition, but I believe the Western Conference today with travel, and you guys have you know, brand new travel with the Chets back in the day, and Bobby, you obviously did the others. It knocks the crap out of the players. Oh yeah, like it. it you know, the Oilers most years Edmonton has either the second or third most travel in the entire National Hockey League. And I think it's taxing on the goaltenders. So I think the fact that they've got two options there will help. And then getting those guys in the bottom six that can kill penalties, I think you're going to help too because it won't wear down the minutes on McDavid and, and Rysettle in particular. And it'll give those guys more opportunity to be fresher. Uh, you know, it's not that the power play was bad because it was top 10. You know, again, they might play the entire two minutes of the. Park. So there's different dynamics in play here that theoretically could. Uh, get the defensive numbers down. The other thing, guys, is five man attack, five man back. That's what Tippett wants. He thinks there was too much disconnect last year, last couple years, in the separation between the orders forwards and the orders defense. So they'll need. It also means that the orders defense is going to change here. Uh, it's been a stationary defense, a defense that uh, has had a couple guys that have backed in a lot, not challenged plays because they didn't think they had the support coming uh, back, support coming from the forwards. I fully envision a scenario where you are see a lot more proactive defense. And I think we're going to have, by the start of next year, three of the six defensemen that are on this team right now are going to be gone. Like, uh, you know, that we start the year with. I think we're going to have a very looking, def- a different looking defense, much more puck-moving, capable defense. One stat Todd McClellan always took was points by defense, and it was a concern. And it's been a concern in Edmonton since 2008-2009. That year, the Oilers were one of three teams in the league. That had four thirty-plus point defensemen. They haven't come close to that since. No. So, uh, yeah. and it's it's hurt it's 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 hurt them from being competitive because they haven't had a transition game. But Tippett doesn't just want a transition game; he wants defense in the offensive zone, being able to to activate and cycle off the you know off of uh, long uh, long cycles in the O zone as well. So, very different looking defense long term. It's all rolled into one thing. Get the goals down and spend more time in the offensive
1: zone. Bob, I know that you gotta get into a broadcast meeting really quickly here. Just two last quick ones for us. A Connor McDavid update. Do you like the way they're gonna treat him through preseason? And to tell everybody you're hey, listen, your show speaks for itself, but it's also delivering some big podcast numbers. Just address those two things quickly.
3: Yeah, McDavid looks great. Uh he's actually bought and caught one guy assigned to him. Okay, that's not from the, it's sort of an external guy that's sort of monitoring things literally on a shift by shift basis in practice so it's pretty intriguing situation uh you know connor is very uh he's very disciplined in his training and his approach i will tell you if you guys you know if, if you seemed out of practice you would not think that there was a significant ECL injury in the offseason because he's absolutely flying uh you know uh, when it comes to podcasts, the first guy that sort of really well Marty Forbes is a friend of both of yours. About five or six years ago, Brent, I think you and me and Marty met for a coffee uh, over in our neighborhood and had a discussion about podcasts. But Jack Cookson was the other guy from Pro Am Sports. Yeah, about four years about four years ago, and he said, "Bob, I'm telling you right now, podcasts are going to be the way of the future." We uh, we average, I, I think, for from September last year until. At uh, the end of the hockey season, I think we averaged 47,000 listeners. So that's everybody, all in, all demos, whatever, 47,000 a day. That's traditional people meter PPM numbers. And then I got the podcast numbers actually on uh, Friday for the year, and we were over 2 million. So we two point at 2.1 wow. million. So people uh, people access it. It's, it's an important thing. I know that, uh, guys, if we don't get those podcasts up within 20 minutes of the conclusion of the show <laughs> – um, <laughs> yeah, you, know, you don't uh, rightly hear about it. I'll leave you guys with this. Uh, you both helped me along the way. I wish you nothing but the best of luck, and you can call at any time.
1: Bob, thanks for your time. It is a busy time yeah. for you. We appreciate your time today. Thanks, Bob.
3: All right, super. Take care, Robin. See you, see you, Brent.
1: All right, thanks, Bob. There you go, hey, Oilers, you now. <laughs> Oilers now. Oilers now, six thirty, Chad, Monday through Friday, from noon until two. Bob, thank you. See you guys. Darren Drager of TSN, joining us on the podcast today. I I love the fact that so far today we've had two insiders on with the outsiders. This is a nice touch.
0: (laughs) Nice. I like it. Who is, I I should know this, who is the other insider?
1: It was Bob Stauffer. We were able to keep Bob quiet so we could get to you.
0: Well, that's a difficult task. (laughs) Anytime you can can muzzle Bob Stauffer for more than... Thirty seconds, you've uh, you've completed a pretty significant challenge.
1: Well, he did have to go into a meeting, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> hey, listen. Thanks for coming on today. We really appreciate this. It's been a busy week for you. Actually, I was going to ask, has it been a busy summer for you? Because it's really been quiet, which means there's got to be something going on underneath, underneath the yeah. surface of the water a little bit.
0: No, fair enough, Brenton, But it, it has been quiet. But it was quiet by my design. Um, you know, as you know uh the, the the business of hockey has become a 12 month of the year thing so if you don't find a way to to shut it down and i mean shut it down you know in the few weeks that you have in the summer then it it becomes a job and what we do for a living isn't a job who's kidding who so um, yeah i made sure to to stay in tune you know, i sent my text messages i made sure that you know there wasn't an imminent signing coming around the corner there wasn't a trade that was about to happen and all that but i I wasn't grinding the wheel seven days a week. So I played plenty of golf. I got to Saskatchewan. I got to BC. I did all the things that you need to do in the summer to recharge.
2: Darren, the thing that, come, you know, came out lately, uh, you know, the big news is the Mitch Marner contract. You were all over that. Um, you know, it's wonderful if you've got somebody uh, – who lets you know what's going on, uh, where you get out in front of a story like that. When you look at the deal now that uh, Marner gets, uh, your thoughts on it, basically.
0: Well, well you know what, Robin? I, I mean, it's a great deal for the player. You know, I, he's he's going to cash $16 million mm-hmm. this season. You know, it's a heavily front-loaded deal. That's the trend of the star player in the National Hockey League now. So, You know, fifteen point three of it is signing bonus in year one, and I think almost sixty-one million of the total package is signing bonus, uh, signing bonus money. So, you know, from a player standpoint, that's a huge financial win. Uh, But Kyle Dubas, the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, found a way. To, to make the player concede, to give up that year. Because when Toronto signed Austin Matthews to the five-year term at 11.5 and, and change, that adjusted the landscape of the restricted free agent. And I largely believe, guys, that's why so many of these players remain unsigned, is because you know most of them are probably looking for a three-year bridge, Or if the money was there, maybe they'd they'd consider a a six, a seven year extension, but they weren't thinking about five because five only buys that one year of unrestricted free agency. So when when Matthews got that deal out of Toronto, uh, I think that put Calgary in the juice with Kachuk. Braden Point in Tampa Bay, Marner to some degree in Toronto, because, you know, if if Toronto had offered up the the Austin Matthews deal to Mitch Marner at the end of the year, he would have signed it immediately. Why wouldn't he? Um, So I, I, I think it's an excellent deal uh, for both sides. And Toronto does get that extra year of free agency and buying that away from Mitch Marner. So Marner had to, had to agree to the six year term. Otherwise this thing would have dragged on and perhaps, Kept him out of the lineup in early October, the start of the regular season.
1: One t- one of TSN's hockey insiders, Darren Drager, joining us here today. Uh, there was a lot of heat on the Edmonton Oilers when they signed both Leon Drysidle and Connor McDavid. It ended up being 22 to 23 percent of their overall yeah. budget. Now we've got the Toronto Maple Leafs. So you got four guys over 40 percent. Uh, are they causing a problem here? Do you see them going the LTIR route? How are they gonna How are they gonna manage this?
0: Yeah, I mean, when it comes to LTIR and managing the cap, the the Toronto Maple Leafs are among the best because the pockets are so deep. It's, you know, everybody has to comply to the salary cap, but when it comes to, you know, having players in the American League on on one-way deals, they're fine with that. You know, the the financial aspect doesn't matter. In fact, I had an American League team tell me the other day the Toronto Maple Leafs by far – by far, have the the biggest uh, salary in the American Hockey League. I think Syracuse is a distant second. So, how do they manage their cap with those big money players at the NHL level? I think the fourth line of the Toronto Maple Leafs guys is going to be a revolving door. So, it's that that fourth line is going to be AHL players. Okay, and Toronto's okay with that. Otherwise. They're going to have to, and maybe they still have to move out a body, but on the short term, they've got Hyman out, they've got Termin out, they've got some other options they can consider. I mean, you look at, you know, getting the Clarkson contract back. Hmm. They would have happily done two or three more of those just because they have the financial resources where they can spit out the tens of millions of dollars. It doesn't matter. It's just a way to not circumvent, but to min- manipulate so that you can stay under the cap.
2: Darren, two things stick <laughs> out for me with the way players are being paid now. And I, you know, I don't begrudge the players the money. The best players in the world deserve to get paid. But a couple of things come out of that. Um, You know, players now, they used to be in jail with their team until they were 31 in the bad old days. Well, now it's the, the pendulum has swung so far the other way. Guys aren't just getting paid in their prime as the best players in the league. You've got 21 year olds and 22 year olds coming out of entry level deals into seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven million 10, 11 million bucks a year. Hey, and good for them. But the thing for me, Darren, is this is supposed to be the time when the GMs have the hammer and they've totally been schooled, if you ask me, by the players and the agents.
0: Well, they have to some degree, Rob, and I, I don't disagree with that. I, I don't know that we're ever going to see another crop of restricted free agents like the ones that, that you know, we've seen this summer. Maybe we will. Um, and and who knows? I mean, we're waiting for, you know, the Players Association. And, and ultimately, you know, we're going to find out whether or not the collective bargaining agreement moving forward is going to be adjusted. I can't imagine that uh, both sides want to take a look at at that second contract the restricted free agent because somewhat to your point imagine being in that room as a 27 28 29 year old hockey player you still have a ton of game left Mm -hmm. you're in your prime i mean it's you're you're not over the hill by any stretch of the imagination but you're, you're going into your ufa season um and you're looking around and you're seeing all these 21, 22-year-old kids swallowing up all the cap space and getting these mega contracts. I mean, you know, we talked a lot about what was going to happen with Jake Gardner this year. Jake Gardner essentially has to settle on a four-year, $4 million per deal with the Carolina Hurricanes. Yep. I, I, that one, to me, is mind-blowing. And, and, you know, people are wondering whether or not, because it was a he had a, a nagging back issue, whether that factored in. Well, it probably did to some degree. But not at $2 million per per year. You know, Jake Gardner probably, probably uh, didn't realize, you know, at the, at, at going into July 1st, I think that CAA Sports was looking at Jake Gardner in a five, six-year term at around six, six and a half per year. And he ended up with four times four and change. Well, yeah. I think the restricted free agents just clogged and paralyzed the market. And I think that that's going to put stress in dressing rooms. Yeah, I I, I, I really do. I really, I don't know how it can't, you know, you, you know, if, you, if Mark Shifley, when Shifley signed that deal in Winnipeg, that was a decent deal. Um, they got him at fair value. It just turned out that Mark Shifley was an NHL superstar and, and he evolved and developed quickly after signing his contract extension. Now, you know, he's still a star player and, and superstar player in the NHL, but, You know, he's waiting in Winnipeg for two kids that he knows are going to make more money than he is in in Lion A and, and Kyle Connor. So, I don't know, the whole dynamic of that business side of things has to be complicated, no question.
2: Yeah, and Darren, I wonder when and how the adjustment comes. Again, the top players need to get paid, but if you've got half your cap going to four or five players... I think there's such an imbalance there that it's going to be difficult to build yeah. a team. It can't be guys in in the ten and eleven million dollar range and everybody else at a million and a half bucks. Hey, that's great money in the real world for any of us, but you when you're so top heavy, it poses a whole set of problems.
0: It, it definitely does, and I don't. I haven't talked to the commissioner or deputy commissioner Bill Daly about this, uh, not recently anyway, but. I, there's there's got to be a little bit of eye rolling in the commissioner's office looking at some of these contracts paying out, right? Because, you know, when you invest so deeply into a few players as as Toronto has specifically, um, you're 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 putting all your eggs in one basket, and if it doesn't pan out, then what do you do? You know, you're stuck, and you you look at the unrestricted free agents that Toronto is going to have to wrangle with at the end of this year, which includes Tyson Berry, who, I mean, if Tyson Berry has another 60-plus point season, he's going to command top dollar on the open market. Toronto's not going to be able to afford that. You've got Cody Ceci, who is a good, dependable NHL defenseman. You've got Jake Muzzin, three defensemen who are going to be unrestricted free agents next year. And, you know, I'm not projecting that the salary cap is going to go to $90 in the next two years. So it's going to come at someone's expense. There's no question about that. Did
1: you like that Morrissey number? Do you think yeah. that that's, that's really going to be setting the tone for a lot of these uh, future deals here?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to say he's underrated because I think we've seen enough of Josh Morrissey to know what he is yeah. um, and and what he's developing into to get him on that term at 6.25. I mean, it's not a steal. You're talking about $50 million, but that's just, that's money well spent. And that that's quality management by the, the Winnipeg Jets. And, and look, some players, guys, you know, this You've been around the game a long time. You know, Josh Morrissey obviously isn't, you know, one of those players that wants to play with the uncertainty every couple or three years, you know, he probably could have said, you know what, now I'm going to take a two or a three year deal. And we'll see where it goes. I mean, they probably could have bridged him yet again um, at around five, five and a half. And and then he commands more. But instead, you know, he looks at $50 million on the mm-hmm. table yeah. and says, um, my family's family's family are going to feel the financial legacy of this contract and the next contract. So I'm happy with that. And I, I look, I know the jets are over the moon. Um, they've had enough contract issues and they'll continue to have those issues moving forward. But this guy's not only a hell of a hockey player, as we can see, he is top level character. So they've got a real good leadership piece in, uh, in the fold for a number of years.
2: Yeah. I like him as a player a lot too, Darren. Um, connection here to Edmonton because fan I know fans have asked me what does the Morrissey number mean to a guy like Darnell Nurse now they're different players a nurse very physical looks yeah. like you know I don't know that he's a 40 point guy even though he's done it once now but what kind of number do you think Nurse is looking at if he can at least replicate last season in this coming season
0: Yeah, I mean, it's got to be up and around there, doesn't it? It feels like it should, or it could be. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I... I like Darnell nurse a lot. I think you guys do too. I mean, he, there's, there's some aspects of his game that he's got to continue to work on and polish, but he seems to get better every single year. And that's the mark of a high quality player. And that physical element that he provides. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think that's undervalued at all by anyone. I mean, here's also a kid who, you know, would probably fight every night if, if they let him. Um, <laughs> but that's not helping in today's game, but you've got that built in deterrent in a player who's, who's developing into a star guys. I can tell you, you know, earlier in the summer, there was a lot of trade speculation around Darnell nurse and, you know, the Maple Leafs were, were allegedly involved and, and reportedly involved and, you know, what would a deal look like and all of this stuff. And I, I think Kenny Holland and, and that group just, quickly dismissed all of it. I wouldn't say that Darnell remains an untouchable. He wasn't an untouchable in the summer. But the Edmonton Oilers have enough invested in this young player, and they know or believe that he's got at least a couple more gears in him before they see the top end of Darnell Nurse at the NHL level as a defenseman. To, to push all that speculation away unless it's just a can't-miss deal. So he's going to get paid. If he continues to develop based on what we've seen, he'll get paid.
1: We chatted with Bob earlier, more of a local perspective on the the settling of the franchise a little bit with a new general manager and a new head coach. You're distant from the situation. How do you view the situation for the Edmonton Oilers going into the season with both Ken Holland and and also the new coach?
0: Well, look, I, I'm a bit old school um, and I've known both those men for a long, long (laughs) time. I've I've got lots of time for Dave Tippett. Um, He's a a very structured coach, Mm -hmm. but that's not to say that he's going to slam the door shut and, uh, and not be very open and communicate on a daily basis with every player, not just the star players, every player. Um, That's, you know, how you have to be in today's NHL. If you're not working with your young and giving them uh, ample opportunity to make mistakes, learn from their mistakes, and then correct them, uh, then your team's going to struggle and you're probably not going to be on the bench for much longer. And and Tippett knows that based on his level of history. Uh, I like Kenny Holland a lot because Kenny Holland historically has proven that he is a deal maker. It's tough, really difficult in a salary cap world, and especially, you know, when your rosters have been established in season leading up to the trade deadline, even now to make trades um, because of the the money that's attached. I think that Kenny has been very forthcoming and very honest. And even though the Oiler fans don't want to hear the word patience any longer, they've been hearing it for way, way, way too long. I think that they should trust his direction. You know, it may take a couple of years to, to, to get this group molded or to bring in the reinforcements or to, to develop some of the younger players that they've got coming, be it in the American Hockey League or otherwise, to get up to NHL speed. But I, I think that the Oilers are going to turn the corner pretty quickly here under that leadership.
2: Darren, one last one for me, and and it's a bit tongue in cheek, although not completely. You know, fan, and I love rivalries between fan bases, and it seems Toronto has one with just about everybody because you know, big city. It's been a we we know the history in Toronto. Oiler <laughs> fans love to get upset. Uh, you know, and take pokes at Toronto. Oh, they overpaid Marner, or they did this, or yeah. Austin Matthews, uh, the memes out there and social media and this and that and the other thing now. The thing is, though, it goes both ways. And every once in a while, fans out here get in a frenzy because a Toronto writer or a Toronto commentator <laughs> yeah. will suggest. Connor McDavid doesn't look happy. Connor McDavid is being (laughs) wasted in Edmonton. You sit back and you take that all. And is that just banter between cities? Uh, Does it amuse you? Does it tick you off? Do you think it's bullshit? What's your take?
0: Well, I think it's BS for starters. Um, Somewhat amused. I just, you know, I roll my eyes when I read that kind of stuff. Uh, I understand it. I mean, with social media being as powerful as it is now, it's all about the clicks, right? you know, be it on social media or, mm-hmm. you know, on the various websites. And, you know, what better way to do that when you've grown weary of, of writing about Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews and the Toronto Maple Leafs, if you're a Toronto reporter, than pecking on, uh, you know, one of, if not the best player in the game. Uh, what I know is, and, and I'm not going to suggest that I'm any closer to Connor McDavid and his people than you know some of the other top reporters you guys included out there. But I'm close enough to both sides, uh, the McDavid camp, and and to the Oilers brass, to know that he's not unhappy with the organization. He's unhappy with the fact that you know this team hasn't been as successful. As he wants them to be he accepts his own level of responsibility for that but he also you know is is a key part of the the direction moving forward Uh, now if we're having this conversation uh, maybe two three years from now yeah and and remarkably the Oilers continue to flounder who could blame them who could blame them at that point after he's invested so much time you know, to say, hey, you know what? I, I think it's 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 time to try something new. If there's a real good package out there that you guys think you can get for me, then I, I'd be willing to consider. That's eons from now. I I think he's just pissed off because they're 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 not contending for a playoff spot on yep. an annual basis, and I get that. That's the spirit of the competitor. Before we let
1: you go, and thanks for this today, we got to talk about your new podcast coming up. Your partner in crime for this podcast is
0: Ray Ferraro. (laughs) Yeah. Do you like the catchy name? The Ray and Drake's Hockey Podcast. I do. Yeah, we we thought long and hard over that one. Uh, So it's uh, it's actually a partnership with a group, uh, Udo, out of uh, Vancouver and, of course, TSN. No, we're excited by it. I mean, Ray and I spent a lot of time together, and uh, we've got similar philosophies, but we don't agree on everything. And you guys know, in listening to Ray, in seeing Ray, in watching him engage on Twitter, This guy loves to debate, and he's not afraid to share his opinion. So we're going to have a lot of that on a weekly basis, some top guests, and we'll have some fun as well. So uh, I think you can probably download now with uh, the sea of podcasts out there. So I'm looking forward to it.
1: Will he be able to develop some edge, though, to do this?
0: (laughs) Well, that might be the tricky part. You know, there's been a mellowing. Part of Ray's life, and I—I I give full credit to Cami Granado, his lovely wife, because you know Ray is still certainly uncertain days. There's no doubt about that. I mean, you don't want to poke Ray too much. But but he's calmed a little bit. But there'll be enough jam and juice in him that I'll be able to fire him up on a weekly basis.
2: (laughs) Oh, it'll be it'll be must listen stuff, uh,
0: Dregs. (laughs)
2: I tell you, I just wait for every time he calls somebody pal on Twitter. You know it's you know it's already (laughs) hit the fan.
0: For sure, pal, chum. How many times he gonna say beat it? (laughs) No, lots coming. Okay, awesome.
1: So when's that starting up again here?
0: Um, episode one, I believe we're recording on October 1st. So I don't know if it airs October 2nd, later the night on October 1st, but around the 1st or the 2nd. Just in time for the start of the season. Well,
2: we wish you all the luck in the world, Dregs, and we're hoping you can do the same kind of numbers that we do.
1: Beautiful. (laughs) Yes. Hey, Darren, thanks for your time. We don't like to bug you too often because we know you're busy, but we, uh, we do appreciate it today.
0: Ah, you guys are good friends anytime.
1: All right. Thanks, Darren. Thanks.
0: Can't breathe, Can't breathe. fresh air and fun experience it all this summer in a new rv from carefree rv trade up to the perfect bunk model from reputable brands like winnebago and forest river so many floor plans and payments starting at just 53 bi-weekly plus one free year of coach net warranty on all rvs carefree rv opens seven days a week in edmonton and Laduke. online carefreerv.ca
1: Wow, that was quite the podcast today with both Bob Stoffer and Darren Drager. How ah, what do they know? <laughs> it was fun. Yes. yes. You know, it, it's a lot more fun when you know both guys really well. Mm-hmm. So uh, I really enjoyed that today. Got to tell people what's coming up over the next few weeks. Next week, we're going to try to track down some information on what's going on with the Winnipeg Jets and also the Vancouver Canucks. A little preseason check-in for them. We've already done the Flames. We've done the Oilers. And uh, we're getting ready to roll big time. I think in Winnipeg, it was a little disappointing talking to some relatives out there. They were a little disappointed with the way the season went. And I think that their their goals and their ambitions are a lot higher again this season. So we'll see whether or not they're able to get there. The Vancouver Canucks last year, I don't know how you felt about it, Robin. I I actually
2: think that they did better than I thought they were going to do last year. Well, Elias Peterson or Pedersen was so good right out of the box. He he picked up a lot of the slack. Uh, You know, I think the Canucks are going to be okay, but uh, they got to get a guy signed too. Yes, they certainly do. Yeah. We'll talk more about that next week. Coming up in the month of October,
1: looking very much forward to this. Actually, you know, once you get into October and November, there's a lot of books come out by a lot of great authors, Mm -hmm. a lot of athletes, a lot of broadcasters. Two in particular we're going to be chatting with in the month of October. We're going to be conversing with former NHL enforcer Stu Grimson, the Grim Reaper, looking very much forward to the book and talking to Stu. Like a lot of tough guys, a very sharp guy off the ice. Exactly. How many, how many tough guys have we known over the years where they just well, – you start talking to them away from the game, mm-hmm. and they just absolutely shock you with – it's not your imaging – of a tough guy. No. When you talk to them away from the game. No, Reaper's a smart dude. He is. Also going to be chatting with, from Sportsnet, Ken Reed, a guy we've known for quite some time. Ken's got another book on the way out. Is that your phone? Did you leave your phone? That's a fine. That is a fine. Make a note of that, will you?
2: Yes, I shall.
1: $25. bucks. i got to write that down. Hang on a minute.
2: 25 bucks. What? Holy cow. What's that ringtone, Robin? Hang on. You like that? Yeah, it sounds like Barney Miller. It's it's mellow. It puts me at ease. <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's get back to Kenny
1: Reed for a minute. We've known Ken for a long time. Yep. Creative, colorful individual, and uh, does a nice job with Ivanka Osmak. Yes, he does. So uh, we'll be chatting with Ken, getting his thoughts on everything. Great yeah. he, great forehead, too. Yeah, yeah he does. He ha- does have a forehead. You could show a movie on that thing. I think. I mean, anyway, we should talk. Yeah, like, look at us. <laughs> both of us with receding hairlines. I'm actually now cutting my hair short because I'd like to beat nature to it. That's exactly <laughs> yeah. what I'm doing. Anyway, once again, a big thank you to both Bob Stoffer from Oilers Now and 630 Ched for mm. coming on, and Darren Drager from TSN. That's pretty much it, huh? That's all good with me. Absolutely. Thanks for tuning in, and we're back again next week. We look very much forward to having you with us. Thanks.
0: Recorded earlier because we were ashamed to do it now.